You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Like a training mission that's going along just fine until the monsters show up. It's Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. And tonight we will be discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 4, All is Possible. So get your questions and comments ready and give us a call. You know how. Click on the Zoom link or use the one tap from your smartphone and call us or call us at 6. Wait, I'm going to see if I know this by heart. I, I, feel, I, I know should. you do. I, know I you should do. know it by heart. I'm not okay. going to look at it. I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> okay. 699-900-6833. Yes. Yeah. Enter the meeting code and password and you will see on screen. And uh, then you'll be in the Earl Green room. Yeah, you'll meet Earl Green. And, and then you may or may not, after doing that, even want to come join us. Because, you know, <laughs> let's face it, you can just hang out and talk with Earl all night. That'll be fine, too. How are you doing tonight, Holly? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you. It's been a, a busy day here at Roddenberry World Headquarters, but uh, but good. I mean, well, for me, for Roddenberry Podcasting, mean, I don't know what the others do all day. I have no idea. <laughs> no. I hear laughing and chatting upstairs. So I'll just be down here editing shows. You're in like the dungeon. Pretty the much. Basement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I have my own full kitchen down here, so that's fine. I like oh, that's I don't the same need... kitchen. That's the same yeah. kitchen I would partake in. When yeah, I was yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't need their upstairs kitchen. I, yeah. I got the. I got this one. <laughs> but, that's fair. Yeah, but busy day, but good all around. Definitely looking forward to the chat tonight. Uh, I was telling you before we got on the air. I really enjoyed yours and Norman's show last week. Uh, catching up on that, and as is often happens, you know, I'll watch an episode. And then I'll watch it again, and then I'll listen to you and Norman talk. And I'm like, oh, my my appreciation of that episode has now gone up a bit. Yeah. And that was definitely the case after listening to you guys and listening to the calls. So uh, I look forward to what our listeners bring tonight. As yeah, well. I mean, all, all credit to our listeners bringing in perspectives that I have. Yeah. Not Indeed. even close to the perspective <laughs> right. of where I am. So, And speaking of those listeners... Oh, boy. They're in there and they're ready to go. Right at the top, it's Bob Amos. Talking. <laughs> Hi, Dad. So, oh, hi, oh, can I, may I show? Yeah. Oh, this you have a Rectagino ho- mug. My holiday Rectagino mug that my mother found for me at some random thrift store. <laughs> that ago. is so cool. <laughs> Do you have other Rectagino mugs, not mm-hmm. just the holiday edition? I have the, I have the regular blue one as well. Which nice. I found um, at, in uh, like a vintage Etsy many, many years ago. Wow. I, I respect that so much. That's very cool. <laughs> All right. So there's uh, Holly's dad. There's Scott Palm. Glad to see you, Scott. There's John Arminio saying hello there, mission loggers. There's Jane uh, calling in from Bethlehem, New Hampshire. And let's see, there's Paul Wright. And there is Brian. And let's see, there's Alan. Uh, this is we're in for a bumpy ride. Yes, we are, Alan. Yes, we are. Uh, let's see here. There's David. There is other Dave. Uh, there's Scott saying hi to Dave. So, I, you know, just uh, so much interaction, so much chit-chat going on. I love it. And uh, let's see. Oh, Mike Richards from our very own Mission Log Orville show jumping into the chat as well. So super glad to see everybody. Hey, it's John Cooley saying, Holly and John, I miss you guys and love that I can see your faces on my communicator from time to time. Good to see you john it's awesome all right uh oh and there we have a third paul in there we have paul Troutwine, so that is awesome too we have three pauls we have a paul fecta tonight good to see you all so uh let's talk very quickly about what's coming up this week in uh mission log and roddenberry podcast well this thursday december 16th we drop episode 430 that would be deep space nine strange bedfellows and I don't know how you get any more strange than uh, Ducat and Kai Wen canoodling over a plate of fruit. My skin crawls every time I watch it. Uh, so <laughs> definitely tune in for that episode. Um, new episodes of Mission Log and Gage are dropping all week long on the Roddenberry YouTube page. So be sure you go over there and you subscribe to the Mission Log and Gage playlist. We are having the best time talking about your comments and questions on the main Mission Log in these little bite-sized videos that you can check out every day. We have a new episode of Mission Log, The Orville, 
Hi again, Captain Mike. Uh, that'll be released on Wednesday. Uh, they are covering uh, Into the Fold, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. And uh, Mission Log Prodigy, okay, it is on a hiatus because they're in that weird like quarter season hiatus. But, but I'm going to tease it here that Norman is working on some very special episodes coming up to tide us over between now and January 6th when the show comes back. So uh, to follow, well, follow both of those shows on Twitter, make sure you just go over to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can get links to everything and then you will not miss a show. So, uh, oh, and Mike says that I'm correct. So glad to Yay. hear that. One of those rare times. I did not screw that one up. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Holly, if you'll indulge me and all of our listeners uh, out there, we're it's going to be indulgent for a while, guys. It is. It is. It's man. They just they pack so much plot. It's I like know. Amadeus. Too many notes. So much plot in an episode <laughs> of Disco. So here we go. Big breath. <sighs> Life on Discovery has slowed down a little. Oh, sure, they're still working on solving the problem with the big planet-destroying ADM roaming the galaxy, but at least they've got some downtime where they can all do some other things, too. Book is still working through his grief. Gray is getting used to the new body. Burnham and Saru have been asked to sit in on the negotiations for the Navar to rejoin the Federation since Admiral Vance has a bug. Literally. Something crawling around in his system, so he's going to be sick for the next day or so. And Tilly has been invited by Dr. David Cronenberg to lead some young cadets on a training mission. Dr. Culber urges her to take it, break out from her comfort zone for a while. What could possibly go wrong? Tilly meets her four charges, five actually, five, five charges, including a reluctant in Sinadira, and off they go in Shuttlecraft 11 for what should be a short planetary survey before rendezvous with the USS Armstrong. The cadets aren't particularly talkative, one might even say surly, but soon enough, this ship of angst is turned into a ship of terror when they are hit with a random gamma ray burst, sending the shuttle out of control to crash on a Class L moon. These Galileo 7, oops, uh, uh, Shuttlecraft 6, wait, uh, did I say 6? Sorry, one didn't make it. Okay, five. Five survivors size up the situation, which is not good. Tilly assures them that this is all very real, and they all have a role to play here. Adira works on sensors. There's Sasha, the pilot. She'll work on flight systems. There's Haral, the Orion, who works on communications. And Gorov, the Tellarite, who works on life support and is not too happy about being stuck with an Orion whose people, you know, were part of the Emerald Chain and made life very difficult for people like Gorov. Tilly urges everyone to just focus on the work at hand. Over on Navarre in the prairie system, or prairie style system, Burnham and Saru beam down to the Frank Lloyd Wright Convention Center for the negotiations between the Federation and Navarre government. Presidents Tarina and Rilek seem bound to celebrate the historic moment until Tarina drops a bomb. Navarre wants an exit clause, an unconditional way to leave the Federation if they so decide, a Fed exit, if you will. It's unacceptable to Rilek. And the discussions go into recess, which seems to be the cue for Burnham and Saru to poke their noses into what's really going on. Neither side is willing to compromise, and they can't seem to see alternatives. But it's as if the two parties want Burnham and Saru to figure it out themselves. Unofficially, of course. This leads Saru to talk to his friend Tarina, during which she reveals that she still has to answer to that portion of her people who feel the scars of the last hundred years since the burn. Similarly, Burnham calls Rilak with a proposal of her own to help them both save face. All this time on Discovery, Book has been in therapy with Dr. Culber. He's having a rough time of it, absorbing the profound loss of family, friends, his entire world. Culber is deeply sympathetic, but also leads with the reality that Book will never truly heal from the loss. Nothing will be the same again. Back on that icy L-class moon with the stranded shuttle crew, bad becomes worse. None of their systems will work, and there is a really nasty, hungry monster just outside that tracks its prey through electromagnetic sensing, and it's now trying to eat the shuttle. So the crew have to turn everything off and hoof it to high ground. 
the big scary monster, wait, make that monsters plural, are close behind. As long as the crew stay ahead and keep everything switched off, they have a chance. They just need to get to a safe place, turn on their comms at the designated time, and wait for the Armstrong to beam them out. There's an awful lot of bickering and mistrust and arguing about who has the best plan that compels Tilly to step up and reassert her command. And it's just then that a lightning bolt hits near Adira and melts the ice around them, which then freezes into a trap. Hey, guess what? They'll have to work together to get Adira unstuck, but only after some truths come out, like how Gorev's family suffered under the Emerald Chain and how Haral's father was actually an activist working against the Emerald Chain. So you see, common ground. Now, can they please release Adira from their icy shackles? Yes, they can, and they do. Teamwork. Returning to Navarre, Burnham and Saru bring the delegates back together, and a solution is presented. A committee. Yes, a bureaucratic solution to a bureaucratic problem. Well, wait, it's better than that. Burnham volunteers herself to serve on a committee that will provide review and resolutions for issues within Federation member worlds. And in this case, she was raised on the planet formerly known as Vulcan, so this sounds pretty good. All except, and a new alliance is forged. The opposite of peace is happening on that hellacious moon. Tilly orders her cadets to start calling the Armstrong now that they're in place. With comms activated, she will distract the beasts that are trying to eat them by firing her phaser as much as she can. At this point, they all just start shooting and thankfully get beamed out of there at the last moment, uh, just as Tilly was soon to become a meal for that moon monster. They return safely to Starfleet HQ, and Dr. David Cronenberg congratulates Tilly on her bravery and leadership. He's impressed, and he says that they need someone with her optimism. The offer to teach at the Academy is open to Tilly whenever she wants it. On Navarre, ceremonial passing of the Federation flag to the president takes place, and there's just one more thing Burnham needs to know. That would be the fate of that Coat Milat called Javini, She'll go to a monastic world with a special guide, Burnham's mother, to teach and rehabilitate her. Burnham approves. Privately, Rilak admits to Burnham that she got tipped off about the exit clause before the negotiations by none other than Tarina herself. Burnham understands and also understands the thing with Vance being ill was just a ruse. All's well that ends well, but maybe Burnham asks the president could act with a little more transparency in the future. On board Discovery, Book makes a breakthrough with Dr. Culber by completing a mandala in sand, a symbolic therapy about his loss of Quajan. Once it's done, it's wiped away. And Book asks Culber if he has his own things that need to be wiped away someday. Culber admits, yes, someday. Finally, Burnham and Tilly reminisce in their old quarters. They talk about when they first met, how Tilly used to snore. And Tilly admits that she's going through some personal stuff. There's the question of why she's here in Starfleet, feelings about pressure from her mother who is now 900 years in the past. It's all good reason to try something else, like teaching at the academy. Goodbyes are said, hugs are given, a shuttle departs as Tilly warps to her next adventure. The end. Aww. So much, Holly. So yeah. much. You, you said awe. Was it awe for Tilly? Bye, Tilly. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I feel sad for for the people who um, have really like connected with Tilly because I know that there's mm-hmm. a large group of people that have have connected with that character. So, yeah, womp womp. I think I, I love Tilly. I, I think she's great, and I think Mary Wiseman plays her so wonderfully. I I wonder though. I hope this is not another one of those moments where the show plays with our emotions, because let's face it, people have come and gone, characters have been killed off, and then like they're back in the next yeah. episode. And I, I feel like that's almost a missed opportunity. Where well, a if you're going to kill off a character that could and should truly be an earned moment and have meaning. But B, if you're going to move somebody physically, like they did with Saru, you know, at the end of last season, I I kind of, I want to spend some time with that character there. Like not everything has to take place in discovery all the time. 
Right. So like, I like the idea of her being away, but I also like the idea of checking in with her and spending some time there. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if she, is she going to be a Saru or is she going to be a Jadzia Dax? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jadzia is just, there she goes. She gone. I mean, obviously there were, you know, behind the scenes reasons. There might be behind the scenes reasons here that I'm not privy to. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I hope that we get to see her. I hope maybe this is the setup for an Academy show. I don't know. Could be. Could be. And, I, it and would be a great be, setup. Yeah, yeah. And she'd be wonderful at it. And, and mm-hmm. this episode with their plot line was exactly the kind of thing that I would want to see. Like in a very short amount of time, we got a lot of interaction. We got a lot going on with those characters. By the way, answering in the chat real quick, uh, Paul Troutwine said, uh, Fed Exit. Yeah, Paul, I said that. You're welcome. So uh, let's uh, let's move on. We have some callers who are already checking in with us. Very glad to see. And first up, calling from, uh, well, it doesn't look like a, uh, a hellacious winter landscape like that Class L moon. Actually, it looks Even like... Even with uh, snow is hellacious, though. Well, it me. is. It, uh, that is very true. That's why I'm here and not Truly in Truly a California girl. I, <laughs> yeah, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's a big reason why I moved. It's Chris calling from the beauty of the, the uh, serene Northwest or a zoom background. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Northwest. I went to college in Oregon. I'll take that. Okay. That's on brand. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Do that. No. Yeah. Uh, I do think to what you were saying, John, I hope we see Tilly do whatever it is she's doing. Cause like, I believe this arc of her, like she needs to leave. She needs to get out from under Burnham and all these people. And she needs to sort of become, her own person, I'm afraid what's going to happen is she's going to get shipped out to the Academy five or six episodes later, she's going to come back, but we're not going to see her like do anything at the Academy, and she will have learned things, but that will have happened off screen. So I do want, I, like you were saying, oh. I hope we check in with her. Like, we're going to get, but I feel like we might get the growth without seeing how we got the growth, if that's making sense, which is sort of my one fear of where this is going. But I, I believe, I, I believe we're going to the Academy. I just actually, like you said, I want to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I want to see how they're rebuilding the academy too, right? Because it hasn't this is like a newly established thing after the burn and bringing together all the aspects of Starfleet that were before. So I I would like to see how not just Tilly and how she grows in that place, but I want to see how the academy itself actually grows from basically nothingness you know the the nice thing about star trek and the past whether it's tos but particularly the period of tng ds9 voyager is that we spent so much time in that world in that universe rather that there were a lot of details that we could put put together because we could spend time doing those other things you could spend time back on earth you could spend time in a space station you could spend time in different ships and with discovery with these being short seasons but they're all connected by long arcs um i i want the show to feel the confidence to just explore characters and situation from time to time instead of it all being plot all the time. And that's why I, well, I was, you know, saying before, I feel like I enjoyed episodes three and four so far more than I did the first two, because I feel like the first two just tried to dive us headlong into this new, you know, galaxy threatening plot. And I was like, well, wait a minute, we're 900 years in the future. Can't we, and we already did that. Can't we just sort of get our bearings for a moment, let the characters be for a moment. And maybe you could accomplish that by having these smaller plot threads that aren't threatening the end of the universe, but could just let somebody like Tilly go experience something and, and grow into this role as a mentor, a teacher. Like I think all of that's fascinating and it gives us a good point of view into what this world of the Federation looks like. And we got little hints of that, you know, with uh, David Cronenberg saying, we, you, know, you came to us, being an outsider and what we recognized was you have these ideals and and these values that we've lost touch with 
cool. I want to explore that because that's all the meaty stuff that speaks to us now <laughs> in the early 21st century watching this show. So I, I really want to go there with, uh, with discovery. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, what I liked about this week, especially is that two of the three and maybe three of the three, I haven't thought about it a whole lot, but at least Tilly's arc and book's arc were sort of about learning. This is a bit reductive, but roll with the punches, right? Go where life takes you. That if we're going to do the path metaphor, sometimes the path will go elsewhere where you didn't expect it and have the confidence to do that. And so Tilly, if she has to be willing to get out from discovery and go teach and book, it's his whole thing about the grief, which again, I thought that was a great sort of C plot, I guess, technically. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, these character moments where like, we don't have to do the MacGuffin every week. So yeah, there was, I like when things thematically tie together, even if they don't narratively tie together. But they were, they were both about this idea of sort of like working through something and getting out on the other side and sort of recovering. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think you could cynically look at this episode and, and I, I don't want to be that way on the show because I, I think it's actually one of the strengths of this episode that everybody is having this sort of therapeutic moment they're they're all in each plot line they're all working through something they're all trying to get to the other side and it's not just about the plot it's about the personal experience and the understanding that they're trying to break through um and also i i had a note to myself here we'll, we'll get into the uh, maybe with one of our other callers we'll, we'll get more deeply into one of the other plots the uh, the negotiation and do you guys remember that um uh, that Onion video that came out when the first J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movie came out, and it was like Star Trek fans complaining that, uh, well, th this movie is just full of action. Like, where where's the long, drawn-out negotiations and diplomacy and explorations? Diplomacy, cowboy diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, like, it was funny because, obviously, that that is the stereotype. But, like, having an episode like this where there's a lot of time spent on diplomacy and discussion, I was like, oh, this is refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it was I also kinda... think that th this episode and the last episode, and I think you put something in your notes about this too. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I have a piece of ice in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Wait, there's um, ice in that coffee cup? Is there gin in there, this Holly? This is not Ractagino. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> this is the dill gin and tonic. All let's right, be, there we go. That's the Holly, I know. Oh. <laughs> It's just in a fancy cup. Yes. Um, the two things, uh, well, the one thing about both of these episodes that I really liked, and again, I think, do you have a note on this? Is that there are there are aspects of it that are like standalone. Like the last episode, we we talked about how saving that species was sort of like a standalone situation. Could be, could be a standalone, and I would be completely okay with it. Um, you know, there's a lot about this episode that I feel like is is could be standalone mm -hmm. while still lending to the larger picture, uh, which, by the way, somebody in, in the chat asked how many episodes are in the season 13. Gotcha. At 13. Yeah. So I'm enjoying the aspect of it still being largely serialized, but with storylines and plots that are seemingly bottle. Yeah. I mean, you could have taken the stuff with Navarre and just literally planted it somewhere else. Yeah. Like, and, and that would have been fine. You'd still get to the same resolution and, and the, the same discussion there um, because it, there was definitely a lot to unpack with that. I mean, uh, you, you know, if this were a regular mission log, you could do a whole discussion about this idea of, uh, you know, a, a political institution working together or being isolationist and what the, the, the discussion around that. I thought it was great and they barely scratched the surface of it but it was a satisfying scratching the surface of it so i was glad for that um chris any other uh thoughts or comments tonight before we well, i, uh, I do want to thank you for telling me that it was lightning melting the ice because i watched the episode two or three times and i never figured that out i was like the ice is alive what I, is did anybody happening? get it, it took, yeah, it took me three times to figure that out, too. Yes. The first time that, I, guys, I watched it twice. The first time that I watched it, I was like, this is a Heart of Stone vibe. Like, is it alive? Is it going to grow? Like, is it gro Like, it very much reminded me of DS9's Heart of Stone mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. when Karen Reese is stuck in that it, rock that's growing around her. I was like, is this going to be? 
it, it seemed problem. a bit like that. And the, the thing that I kept wondering was not so much about how Adira got into that position, but it was getting them out because they used that sort of like, uh, you know, programmable matter manifested sort of rope thing. And I was just thinking, well, if it's too hard to break out of the ice anyway, then just throwing somebody that line and pulling really hard, well, you're basically just pulling against their how good their grip is, which apparently is not going to be as strong as that ice holding on to the boots. So, yeah, that, it'd be me on the other end holding that thing, and every time they pull, it just flies out of my hands. Like, nope, get, guys, can you just use a phaser at this point? Just Are you bad at tug-of-war? Well, you know, tug of where you got a whole team on either side, and your and your boots are not like <laughs> well, so the rest of the to, team to the is, ground. The rest of the yeah. team is making up for your lack of skills. Yes, and lack of strength. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes, uh, Chris, excellent to hear from you tonight. Thanks so much for the call, and uh, till next time. Yeah, have a great one. Stay have back, a guys. great night. Bye. Cheers. Uh, so much snow. So much snow up there oh. in Chris's room. <laughs> and in the episode, I just, I, I had to put a sweater on halfway through. I yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, as snow is not my cup of tea at no, all. I know that feeling. Well, hey, let us talk now to our next caller we have from the Lower Decks. It's our old friend, Alan. Alan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Hi, John. Hi, Holly. It is Hi. Uh, a pleasure as always to, to speak with you guys. I'm happy that uh, my current environment is uh, safely above uh, Class L, although I, I don't know how much longer it's going to be that way. Um, <laughs> it's one of those situations where, you know, you know, it's, you know, like I said, I live in Iowa. If you don't like the weather, wait wait an hour it'll change right, right. <laughs> yeah yep. so yeah I, I yeah it's definitely not always the uh bob ross happy little trees with their <laughs> happy little um happy little snowfall You're scenario kidding. it's yeah You're it doesn't, doesn't always work that way I find that so hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> funny, uh, Jane in the uh, in the chat here. Well, well, Holly and John, I guess you don't have any plans to visit New Hampshire this winter. No, no. not a chance. No. Not no, nope. not a snowball's chance in hell. No, Jane, send pictures. Okay, uh, that'll and maybe Although, that will be somebody's Zoom background. It is going to snow here in California. Like we have a storm moving in, yeah. but it's above seven thousand feet, and you could not pay me. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'll stay down here. Like I am, I'm in, I'm in a beach community. So I think I'm like <laughs> you, you, 50 right. feet above sea level or yeah, something and yeah. I'm fine with it. You'll be okay. Uh, Alan, no what's problem. on your mind about the show tonight? Well, um, like Chris, I, I wanted to uh, thank you for clearing up the whole Adira snow situation or ice scene. Um, that was very confusing. It, it was really conf- quickly too. Yeah, yeah. it happened well, quickly and it looked alive. Here's here's what I gather, and please, yeah. anybody who has a different take on it, my take on it is this: the lightning hits the ice, it melted what was directly under Adira's feet, and you saw it kind of bubble up. A but it bit, immediately f- and then it immediately freezes again froze. because yeah. it's mm-hmm. that cold there. I can't. It's that, no, it, it, it sucks. Uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll compare it only to Chicago and oh, our, our, yeah. our yeah our next caller uh, Paul. He'll know what this is all about. In Chicago, the weirdest, worst thing any day that you well, first of all digging your car out of snow is terrible. <laughs> I, I do not miss that at all. My but man, days, I'm from Schaumburg. I know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, all right. The days you open the door and you try to catch a breath and you can't because it is so cold and it just hits you. <gasps> And you're trying to catch your breath, but here's the weirdest thing. You feel inside your nose. You feel the hairs in your nose freeze mm-hmm. because it is that cold. And as soon as you take a breath, it all the, the vapor yeah. just freezes. And that is the weirdest thing because you feel like you have little ice crystals in your nostrils. Holly, <laughs> you look horrified. I am. I, I don't want to. Well, I would like to avoid experiencing that. If, if that's horrifying. Uh, part of my confusion, too, was uh, in some of the shots, it looked like they possibly could have been ripping Adira's feet off, uh, getting her out of there. And that, that just yeah. didn't seem good at all. No. Like, no, no. just it's like, 
pulling is an interesting strategy, yes, but surely let's let's come up with a plan B here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did not think that was a good one. I mean, there had been, and I get it, like, they're limited by the whole electromagnetic thing, mm. I understand. Um, although, you have to wonder, because they said that those creatures would eat crustacean on that planet, are they giving off an electromagnetic uh, uh, signal? So, I wondered that, too. Yeah. Chalk it up to, you know, yeah, that's, that's more uh, Class L planet stuff, you know, you got electric shrimp. <laughs> uh, great band name by the way there you so go. Yeah. yeah yeah we'll use that at some point and i i dug uh, of course there's so much about that plot line that was you know direct parallel to galileo 7 which oh, yeah. i thought was fine i was totally, i was gonna say yeah and, and i was there for it like use yeah. a classic that's fine mm-hmm. i also felt like that monster reminded me of star trek 2009 absolutely that's what i was just gonna say there's a lot about this episode that reminded me of 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 Star Trek 2009, uh, the cadet uniforms, super similar. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, the red, they're beautiful. Yeah. They're really they look well tailored, really good. But yeah. they're yeah. very, they're extremely similar. Um, Lovely yeah, hoods. Delta Vega mm. with the the crazy guy with all the eyes. He's got yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, very similar. Spock's neighbor, yep, of course. Um, I was, I was going to say, though, too, I mean, we we joke all the time about the transporter and it being a kill box, but what's the over under on shuttle missions? Really? That doesn't seem to be, that doesn't seem like a better option to me. No, I agree. (laughs) Not, not good. Yeah. And and I was glad actually it was just one line, but I was glad they addressed it of just saying, this is not a hollow simulation because (laughs) clearly that would have been another way to write that story is just like, Oh, something happens, Mm. but it's just, it's like a Kobayashi Maru thing where it's just a simulation. They they needed to get that out of the way because I, that crossed through my head the first time I watched it. The good news, yes, this is a hollow simulation. The bad news, the hollow simulation has also gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that, that's you just wrote the episode right there. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, what else? What else is on your mind tonight, Alan? About oh, the episode? gosh. I mean, um, just, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm slowly, I, normally I'm not a shipper, but uh, Saru and Tarina are are Horrible. you know that that works for me that works yeah for me. it worked for me too i actually yeah. i audibly said out loud when i was rewatching it today i was like do i ship this <laughs> i might ship this oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome tea and meditation you know that's 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 a thing pretty hot <laughs> Yeah. Pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tea and meditation. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, uh, by the way, I, I hope that we all notice this. We we have yet a new third pronunciation of Bejor. Oh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. not Bejor or Bejor, but Bejor. Bejor. It's about yeah. the emphasis. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that, I, I mean, that was a little weird to me. It sounds like a choice. So I don't know. Maybe things have changed in that sensors? years. Had it, yeah. yeah, sensors. Sensors. That's a choice too. Was, yes. Did uh, did we did we know did did uh, did they know about Bajor or Bajor back in in Burnham's day? Maybe she's only just read it and she's just getting it wrong. Mm. <laughs> like like you know reading. Uh, it's like when you when you read. A fantasy novel and then you hear like the audiobook version and you're like oh that's how you pronounce that I, that happens all the time i feel like yeah. there, there are so many things that people only ever read and then they hear it pronounced and you're like is that how you say it like mm. i did or if you actually go to try to say it and you don't know how to pronounce it because you only ever read it and then you like get flustered because you're like, I might mess this up. Mm. That happens all the time too. Our, our excellent producer Earl has uh, called it Bejour du jour. So uh, that's, that's what we're getting from Star Trek. Is, exactly. Uh, the Bejour du jour. Nicely done, Earl. Uh, any other thoughts tonight, Alan, before we uh, part ways? Uh, no, just other than I, I agree with you uh, 100%. It was super nice to have the the DMA as a underlying element through the episode, but not focused solely on it. And that we had what felt like a good, strong A and B plot. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a little this bit of a, 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 a little bit of a C plot too. Am I yeah, right? well, yeah, mm-hmm. with with yeah. booking with booking Culber there. Yes, that's man. I love Culber. Oh, I said so it last good. time. Dude he's, is really like he's he's going up the ranks and in, in on my ladder. <laughs> yeah, strange. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is is that a real thing? The 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 posing someone for their for their funeral is that a thing that happens <laughs> I, or did I you have, just make that up i have heard of this yes oh yeah gee. i mean look we don't do it in my family okay uh although when i'm gone you you know do whatever you want I, that's <laughs> yeah. that's fine you know just set me up on a bar stool with a martini glass and that's you know <laughs> <laughs> just take pictures okay um so yeah but it, it is a thing okay so it's probably not common anymore but it is a thing so, good to know. Good to know. Cool. By the way, well, uh, David in the uh, chat says that he feels like uh, Mark Alimo probably slipped that in very early. Uh, Bajor, as ah. uh, pronounced, so that could very well be. So. Um, oh yes, yeah. of course. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we dare not argue with uh, Mark Alimo. All right, Alan. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take yeah, care. It's been, it's been fun. Talk to you guys next time. Likewise. Till next time, man. Be good. All right. Hey, uh, this is a perfect opportunity before we hop over to our next calls and continue the conversation. Uh, first of all, yeah, Paul, have a drink. Uh, good for you. And um, But we will just take a quick moment to uh, once again say thank you to the folks over at cufflinks.com for their awesome Star Trek socks. Don't forget, you can use the code BESTGIFTS to get 15% off site-wide. And if you spend over $100, you will get free three-day shipping. Uh, order ship the same or next business day. So thank you again to our friends over at cufflinks.com. But also, while we have you here and your rapt attention, if you have not joined us yet at the Mission Log page on Patreon, patreon.com slash mission log, you are missing out. You are missing out on so much. You get early access to our episodes. Uh, so you get video, you get audio, uh, you get a chat on the Patreon site, you get exclusive Patreon swag, and I've been seeing notes about some of that going out to our listeners as well. And more importantly, you get access to the Mission Log Discord, and that has truly become a destination in and of itself. Um, there are conversations there about all kinds of sci-fi, not just Star Trek, all kinds of fandom. And it really has just grown into a true community where it's friends hanging out with friends. And we're talking about all sorts of stuff. It's also where Norman and I have our weekly after dark chats about that week's episode of Mission Log. Norman's been doing Sunday mornings talking about Stargate and anything else that comes to mind. So there is so much happening there. You don't want to miss it. Go to patreon.com slash mission log. And you can enjoy all of that for as little as a dollar a month. We even take a percentage off if you join for the year. So dirt cheap. What are you waiting for? Go sign up. All right. Back to the show and back to our next caller. We are so happy to have our friend Paul also calling from a wintry wonderland. How are you doing tonight, Paul? Greetings, Holly and John. How are you two? You look good. Thank We've you. We've got attendees even cold. She's got her hat on, so it's it's it's, it's starting to change up here. See, Although, we're, we're we're both warm. I mean, look, it got down to like the 60s today. I had to put on the heater in the recording room. So we we yeah. are in the 50s today, and we'll be 60 tomorrow and the next day. It's really strange. So that is weird. Okay, but yeah, nighttime. we're almost as warm as you are. Yeah, it's, I was like, that's daytime. Yeah. What about what about nighttime? Yeah, uh, we're. I don't know. It's. It's cold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> exactly. No, we've had some snow, but it, it's been, it hasn't stuck around long. Um, okay. So far this evening, though, I'm stuck with two things in my mind I can't quite get out of. First is relating to Holly in a tug of war. I see her in that front line being pulled across the rope, hanging on, not trying to fall into the mud. Uh, okay, you know, she's it, obviously going to be the front person pulling like she can, but. You know, um, I just see this vision of her being just like, oh, I'm not getting wet. She like huggles onto the rope and sort of works her way across it. it. But Holly being a – Holly, we're going to talk about you like you're not here for a minute. Um, (laughs) Holly being a basketball player, um, now like I feel like there is nothing that would surprise me. I was a weightlifter too. You were a weightlifter as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. you, you could come on here next week and say, like, you know, I have a uh, wrestling championship belt. I've got, like, and I would believe you. I would just, yeah, yeah, whatever it is that you say that you can do. I would John, we're you. so gullible. 
Yeah, yeah. No, but, I swear. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was a varsity basketball player and a weightlifter uh, at so at one point. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something that you're going to totally think is like I'm lying, and it's 100 percent true. Oh, I can't wait. I set um, a record at my school for a little while in weightlifting. Wow. But okay. in my weight class, and there wasn't very many people, so it's actually not that impressive. But I did hold a, hold a record uh, for back squatting. Nice. So I, I still think it just lends itself to you, you know, crawling across the rope and staying dry. That's the well, I mean, at this point, like what, how, how many years am I removed from high school? I do not have that same. I don't know. Six anymore. See, I, I was about to say <laughs> eight. That's yeah. nice. Four. Uh, yeah. I'm going you know, on I'm, 50. So I think I'm six. I, I think I'm at 16 years. Out of okay. School, Such so. a baby. All right. So <laughs> the next time, <laughs> the next time you watch this episode, I, mm-hmm. I like really had a hard time taking this monster seriously because the minute it popped out, all I could think of was Bumble from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I'm like, look, she's being chased <laughs> by a Bumble. And there's two of them. <laughs> two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the strangest thing, and it's let's you know, um, I tuned out of that, but. I got to tell you, it's been mentioned in the uh, the text chat. If you really want to get mm-hmm. the full crux of what this episode means that means to some people, is the mm-hmm. ready room with Will Wheaton. Yeah, uh, uh, somebody in the Discord actually, I think BC mentioned it the other day. Said it was great, and I had to watch it, and I just didn't have time to do so. Yeah, uh, do, um, do you want to? You know, I mean, the show is all about spoilers. Do you want to share a, sure. a nugget or two from um, that that you? Picked it's up? Will Wheaton opening up about never heard of him. How how one line in this episode stuck with him and rang so true that he was driven to tears. He had, he had a, I was driven to tears watching him. I mean, it was, oh. it's amazing. I, I just recommend that people watch it. I want to spoil it, but that's all I'll, I'll say about it. But it was a very personal episode for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Tilly's choice here. So you too. Eh? I mean, well, not Tilly's choice. Um, the continued conversation of grief is, yeah. is still hitting me fairly hard. Uh, you know, there books specifically um and they say early in the episode that the the piece that book sort of found was fleeting and it's like sort of common for people who are going through grief to experience that kind of thing which it's that's been the case for me uh additional Mm. um i think i might have mentioned on the show before i know that i've said that the grief that i'm dealing with is directly related to having lost a close friend of mine last year, um, very suddenly. Um, and I might have mentioned who it was at some point, but I haven't in the last few episodes while we've been discussing grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, was Grant Imahara mm. and he has a character named after him in this episode, which, yeah. um, I knew was inevitable. I knew that that was going to happen at some point in time. Um, but it blindsided me and I was sobbing. And we don't even it's it's a the female um, captain of the Armstrong, which is the ship that comes and beams up the the kids on the planet who are, you know, in a winter wonderland, a horrible winter wonderland. Um, But I did did not expect that. And so Mm. it's it it was a weird um, sensation to be connecting with a character who is dealing with grief and then to have the person that you're grieving have something named after them in the episode. Very wow, that's that's absolutely amazing. I, I, I can't even imagine. Well, I can. Um, we're, we are located 10 miles south of Oxford, Michigan, where the shooting took place. So this entire area is just, you know, in that sort of realm. But um, you know, these episodes have been very therapeutic for it. It's it's been amazing and yeah, shocking, but um it's it's not that's what Trek is, man. It's so, so powerful throughout my lifetime. Um it's just awesome. But moving on to a little happier stuff, let's look at Tilly as a professor. So if you were in college and your professor said that, well, you know, I am the true history professor because I was living a thousand years ago. I don't know anything in between. Right. <laughs> How valuable would that be, you know, in an education to have someone who actually was just there eight months ago? I was a thousand years ago. Yeah. How cool would that be? Right. I, uh, I would love that. I would sign up for that class. hundred percent. 
Yeah. But like you said, there's like, what's sort of strange is that we haven't gotten a lot of adjustment from the Discovery crew into their future. And you take one of us and you move us 900 years in the future, and we've got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> we've got, you know, presumably, if there's still a here to come back to. Um, so that alone, I wanted to see explored more uh, because obviously we look to Discovery as being our future and they have technology beyond our wildest dreams. But what happens when they are displaced and how do they uh, uh, integrate with uh, a culture that has evolved uh, without them? So I, I would love to see more of that. But yeah, this is a fascinating idea to have Tilly there as sort of um, – you know, being the the torchbearer for you know this this classic Starfleet in their eyes. Yeah, the and I have to go full tilt in with Culver as being almost like the I don't know, just an amazing character development in three episodes this year or four episodes. What a rock he has become, considering yeah. where he was. You know, season two, dead ish, right or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and now just. Just an absolutely amazing arc. He certainly is the one I'd go to for advice. I mean, on that ship. Um, I, I appreciate that he that he inserted a, a personal experience as well. And mm-hmm. he even mentioned that, you know, classically in that sort of profession, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but it felt right. And they know each other really well. So it's like inevitable that something like that is going to be shared. Um, I am... Uh, I have a personality disorder, so I'm neurodivergent. And the way that I connect with people is by sharing my personal experiences too. And I've seen conversations about it where people have been like, oh, you're just making the conversation about yourself. And it's not that at all. It's that we're trying to connect with you and we're trying to to, um, explain to you how and why we understand or or relate based on a similar experience. So I appreciate that he did that and it wasn't made out to be like that he was making it about himself. No, no. I actually, I wrote down that line that it, he said in conventional therapy, we're not expected to share personal things, but as crewmates, we already know too much about each other. Like it, it was, it was a lighthearted way to address that, to make it personal. And I, I just felt like, I've been waiting on a line like that in Star Trek for a very long time. And and all the good things about the sort of therapeutic journeys that the characters are on in an episode like this, uh, I felt like for all the episodes of Star Trek that we've covered on Mission Log up until now, and still many more to go, um, there are moments that you feel like, well, wait, the character just went through something terrible and profound and traumatic and whatever. How are they going to get this resolved? Or how are they going to work through this? And we would get little hints of it. Well, there's Dana Troy. She's a counselor. Somebody will presumably go talk to the counselor. And we made a deal of it on DS9 that there was somebody named but then apparently they're just gone because here's Esri and uh, uh, Cisco says like, well, we don't have a counselor. Well, wait, but but you did, but nobody ever saw them. What like yeah. what happened? You know, this was so satisfying that it, it felt like it made up for a lot of that just to address that these characters have issues that linger, especially if you've gone through something terrible and book has been through such a horrible thing that he can't just shake it off. That, that's the way that, that this should be explored. Yeah. Um, Paul, any other last thoughts here before we go on to our uh, final callers? Uh, I think I'm good. It's All always right. great to talk to you folks. I think Discovery's off to a really good start this year. Peace out and uh, look forward to next time. Hey, likewise, man. Live long and prosper. See you next week. Cheers. Right. Bye. Well, what's he drinking? What's gin and tonic. Oh, <laughs> uh, me too. Always oh, gin and tonic. Except mine go. has um, mine has a uh, dill pickle brine in it. You try that. I'm I'm back to the Bombay because I John ran out of I ran out of Hendrix. <laughs> now I got to finish my Bombay before it's I know too one. good. That's why <laughs> it's too good. All right, All peace right. out. Take Bye. care, Paul. Be good. Cheers, Kim. How you doing tonight? Welcome to the show. Good to see you. Ah, Welcome. Yeah. Hey, John. Hey, Holly. Hi. Hi. Yeah. How are you tonight? What's on your mind? Oh, I'm good. 
I well, the only thing I gotta say about this last episode of Discovery was there was <laughs> way too much packed in there. It, it mm-hmm. seemed like a, it seemed like a checklist, and there was I a lot. Know, yeah, 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 a lot. And everybody else has kind of covered everything I wanted to say, so I'm not gonna go into um, depth. But uh, yeah, there was. Um, couple things that kind of stood out i mean you know the stuff with book with culver mm-hmm. was okay but i thought that was forced mm. you know i i actually thought that they kind of just threw that in there because burnham wanted book to go see culver mm. you know and then some of the other stuff with Tilly in particular, that was actually kind of a shock at the end that she was actually, she was leaving discovery Mm -hmm. going to Starfleet Academy, but good fit. But again, the character of Tilly, I feel is the glue that holds discovery together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If she's not there for on every episode, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I relate with Burnham. Burnham. Uh, kind of relate with Stamets. But you know what? Without Tilly, Tilly is the, the person that actually relates to just about everybody, right? And that's why I said at the beginning of of this episode that, you know, I I felt bad for the people who connect so much with Tilly because I know that there is a great deal of you and her, Mm -hmm. you know, leaving is going to be sad that that you don't feel like there's somebody that sort of represents yourself. I I wonder, Kim, if, um, because I I agree with you, you know, I feel like Tilly uh, from the get-go was so relatable and and just you know charming and fun at the same time because she was unsure of herself at, at so many turns but in three plus seasons now um she's got to grow and she's got to find a way to be the the even better person than she is and i i wonder if in the course of the series so far we've gotten different characters who have helped fill that role so like Early on, I feel like Tilly almost parallel with Saru. Saru was really speaking to a, a section of the audience who felt like his overcoming his fear, his rising to the occasion, becoming stronger, that was something that they identified with. So they really felt a connection to Saru. And now he's really grown into himself. Tilly kind of uh, carries that as well. She's somebody that's very relatable, is a little unsure, and then is growing into her better self. And I feel like Culber is somebody who was for a long time just played as a functional character. Like, what does Culber do, but purely in relation to what he accomplishes for other people? And now we're getting a much deeper look at Culber as a personality, as somebody who has this heart and is like this human factor in the crew. So, I, you know, I agree with you to an extent that maybe if the book stuff felt like it was forced... In actual screen time, we got very little of that, but there was a lot of depth gone into those very short scenes. And I wonder if we're laying this groundwork here for Culber to really be that that heart of the ship that people can go to and and bear their souls. Um, so then Culber becomes this entry point for us to really see the humanity of the Discovery crew, because you know Saru is less so. Tilly will now be away. So I, I feel like these characters are almost overlapping and some come to prominence and then some kind of fade back a little bit. Another will come to prominence, fade back a little bit. So maybe that's what they're playing at here. Uh, yeah. I, well, I actually agree with that. When you put that out, John, like that. I'm just making this up as I go. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. 
That's fine. You know, know, there was a lot to digest in this last episode. So I feel like that's going to be par for the course, though, again, because we're only 13 (laughs) episodes and I all of these episodes have been very, very plot driven. The last two have have had great character development, though, which I appreciate if if you're going to have it crammed full. Um, I appreciate that there's some character development included because I didn't really feel like there was any, any great character development in the first two episodes. No, no, no. And and I I wonder if you could almost take an episode, of course, everything's much easier in hindsight, but could you take an episode like this and take the dramatic moments, you know, and spread them out over a couple of episodes or, or tease a bit earlier on. Like I, I feel like the relationship with Navarre, Obviously, they started that early on because they really gave you the background and the history on that last season. Um, but then it all got sort of wrapped up in this one room with about eight people you know, over the course of this episode. I don't know if there were deeper depths to go with that. I, I left a note for myself that said, you know, I, I feel like the conversation there was so worthwhile and it was so interesting. And yet I wasn't totally satisfied with the resolution. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that maybe in a moment uh, with our next caller. And, and as we wrap up the show, I'll keep you all in suspense for, for what I thought would be another way to go if I put on my writer's hat, hat which uh, I know that not everybody likes. But, you know, my show, I'll put it on anyway. Kim, <laughs> lovely to see you tonight. We're going to go to one more caller and we'll see you next week, I hope. Great seeing you guys. All right. Cheers. Live long and prosperous. See ya. All right. Wrapping up the show tonight with a great background and a great t-shirt. It's Cherie all the way from the Ritos. How you doing, Cherie? (laughs) Hey, doing all right. (laughs) Good. Good to see you. What is on your mind tonight? Ah, well, as Kim was saying, a lot of people have already covered a lot of things and Actually, one of the reasons this is the first episode I've called into is because I have a really hard time talking about Discovery. It's, I feel like it's easier for me to talk about Lower Decks because, for one, everyone loves Lower Decks. Mm. And I like, I, like, I like being a cheerleader. Um, and <laughs> I, I love Discovery, but I love Discovery in the way someone loves a sibling. Like, only I'm allowed to complain about this person. <laughs> like, if you complain about them, I'm going to yell at you. But if I complain about them, that's, I'm, I'm a sibling. So I'm always like kind of a wait and see type of person with Discovery. I'm like, I feel like it has so much potential sometimes. It like makes me mad (laughs) half the time. And then like, Um, but yeah, I liked this episode. Um, I just figured I'd talk about something kind of more general, just about Discovery and really just honestly, Star Trek overall. But I've noticed it a lot in Discovery. Um, is the just the names and kind of the, the character names and what they say about representation of culture. Cause I want to put it out there because I know Star Trek can grow. Um, and I know that it tends to listen to its fans. So I want to put this out there in hopes that they will, they will grow from it because I think they've done a great job at like including diversity and, and really trying to go there. But if you look at all the names, all of the names are white names. Mm. Um, for the the main characters, all the main character cast, like like they even called the ship Shenzhou, but the name of the captain is Philippa Giorgio, and she right. clearly has yeah. East Asian roots. Right. Yeah. But they never address those, and it's it's really frustrating because it kind of makes the the entire future look whitewashed. And I really hope that's not what happens in the future. So well, I, I hope mean, in the future we embrace our yeah. diversity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I were there's going to be a lot fewer white people in the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like we they have it, them now. We have they don't have the There was an Imahara yeah. in this episode. You just yes. That's that's yeah. I I missed that one. So thank you for pointing that out because I, I I said it in the comments. But um, I was, I mean, I never got the uh, pleasure of actually having met him or anything. But I'm as a huge Miss Bust, Miss Buster's oh. fan, and oh. um, Grant Imahara was basically my favorite he was was a wonderful person he was one of my best friends definitely seemed like it and um i just i just grieve him as a fan so i i can only imagine um 
But yeah, like I, I miss that though. Cause I mean, I feel like when the action scenes happen, like so much going on that like my brain cannot absorb. Um, yeah. So I, actually, I mean, like, I mean, to be fair, yeah. it was an Easter egg and it was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's not, they didn't insert that in a way in which it was like meant to be a representation. It was meant to be a tribute, which mm-hmm. I, I mean, in its own way is a little bit frustrating that, that you know, I see your point. Yeah. Oh God, I didn't need a tissue now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I I completely understand that happens to me. Like every time I get like even a little bit sad, <laughs> yeah. I think Some- I'm allergic to sadness. <laughs> Sometimes, Cherie, you know uh, what'll happen is when they're building out a production and uh, writing the show bible and developing who the characters are. You know, they really just exist as a name on a page, and that's it. And mm-hmm. then casting starts, and they may see all kinds of different people for that role. Yeah. So somebody probably liked the name Filippo Giorgio. This just sounds good. It sounds like a captain's name, and no idea that Michelle Yeoh would be the person to. And when that. Michelle Yeoh wants to do Star Trek, you let her do. You <laughs> say yes, right, right. And somebody in the chat pointed out that they identified the character later as Mele, and that that is right. But you know that could have been something that came later after she was cast. So then the question becomes, ooh, well, wait, if we have this character, we have this actor, do we rename the character to fit the actor? And I feel like they never do that, though. (laughs) Like, I I understand that that, that they start with something, but also, once again, they've also started with the assumption that the character has a white name, so that's a little problematic on itself. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, and that's the the thing. They they could just be starting with it, literally picking names out of a hat and just saying, you know, it, definitely making those more diverse and interesting um, or changing them potentially as they get other actors could be. Yeah. <laughs> could be a way even, to go. even the names that are like a little bit more diverse, like Owos, and I can't even do her full like Owos. Yeah. Owos, Owos. <laughs> That's why they call her Owo. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they know the rest of us can't do the full one. Yeah. But um, her first name is Joanne. And I'm like, oh, come on. Don't go, <laughs> go the whole way. Like, you got you got the last name. Just, and no yeah. one ever calls her Joanne. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I think it was like once. Pike did it like once. And it was like, yeah, her name's Owo. But, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah. Do it the full way. <laughs> um. So I, since we're out of time here, though, and I, I, I love this conversation, I think it's uh, important to have, uh, but I, I really just want to drop this idea out here on YouTube and the rest of our audience, because it, it's something that was bothering me about the end of the episode. And uh, it has to do with this whole negotiation thing. And I thought it was very interesting that you have a couple of strong lead characters who also have to answer to the political reality of the people around them. I think that's a great premise. I think it's a, also a great premise that they don't want to lose face so you have to have a couple of other characters say no here's how we can do it i'm not satisfied with the ending though i'm not satisfied with the resolution because tarina said well you know we we don't want to have a starfleet like a military person weighing in on civilian matters and you know burnham just volunteers herself like i'm the person who can fix it i'll be on this committee and I'm from Vulcan, which shouldn't really matter because you're just talking about a committee made up of all independent people. But I thought, you know what? To me, it would have made a much stronger position for Burnham to do this if this was something that comes at the end, say, of the series or a different place in the run of the series, and she resigns her command. Because... If the concern was she's from Starfleet and Tarina doesn't want somebody from Starfleet weighing in on civilian matters, okay, my loyalty to Vulcan, my loyalty to the premise of our, our union with the Federation is more important than me being in Starfleet, that sounds like something that I can do. And I, I just felt like this was one more thing to add to the wall of honors in Burnham's ready room, because we know that realistically, she's getting back on Discovery and going off to save the galaxy again. So this symbolic thing of saying, I'm going to be on a committee. Well, the committee is only going to meet when I'm not saving the galaxy in my starship. So the rest of the time, good luck, everybody. <laughs> See ya. So that that ending left me a bit cold, uh, or I, I should say the resolution left me a bit cold. It just seemed like 
eh, we're writing this because we can write it, not because it truly made sense. But I loved everything that got us up to that point. So I don't want to like give that resolution too short a shrift. Any thoughts here before we say goodnight? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel like um, on some of the points, some of the points I like, I actually... I actually did understand where they were coming from with the, where, where they were like, well, she's a citizen of Navarre and she's in Starfleet. So in mm-hmm. order for that to be the case, I feel like she would technically still have to be in Starfleet for that to, cause then they could just say, well, then your loyalties are more towards Navarre. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not a member of Starfleet anymore. Uh, but yeah. I did feel like, yeah, they were, it, it kind of did feel like, Oh, let's put a little bow on it. And yeah, like you said, it's another <laughs> Michael is the answer to all questions. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, I'm sure she'll figure out what the anomaly, how to fix the anomaly. I mean, that that'll that'll be her too. It won't be Samantz. It'll something to do with Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a whole um, other conversation. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with it. But I did like like you said, like everything leading up to it. Like mm. you know, it was nice to have the breather of like an actual like thinky more Star Trek type, yeah. like have a political discussion episode. Yeah, and they, they pulled it off. All right, well, thank you so much, Cherie. We'll see you soon again, I hope. Holly, thank you. And, uh, I have I a parting piece of trivia. Oh, you do? Ooh, ooh, lay it on us, lay it on us. Yes. It has to do, it has to do with us talking about names. Oh, oh good. Somebody, okay. somebody in the chat said the last name change was what Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar's character was originally uh, Hernandez, uh, Hernandez, and they changed it. Yeah. But <laughs> there's an episode uh-huh. of Voyager... Death Wish. There is a hippie in it, and the character's name is Mari Ginsburg. Uh-huh. And that character is played by an actor named Mari Ginsburg. <laughs> and they named the character <laughs> after, the, after act- the actor because uh, he was so great. That's cool. All that's right. My, that's my that's, parting trivia for the evening. That's very cool. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the incalcitrant Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.